Welcome to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman, to walk you through all the best bets and fades for this week in golf action. And before we dive into the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, let's take a minute to look back at last week's Open Championship. First off, how cool was that? Even before we talk through the leaderboard, I thought Royal Port Rush was a beautiful host for this event. The course played probably a little bit easier than what we would have liked at an Open Championship, but that is really because the weather laid down for four days, and obviously that's not something that anyone can control. Outside of that, the course was in absolutely stellar condition. It was unique, and I thought it provided a great test for the world's best golfers. Now, Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, the Irishman, the Irishman himself, ends up hoisting the Claret Jug on Sunday evening after winning by six shots over Tommy Fleetwood. There's not really much more else I can say about Lowry's performance other than he was in complete control of his game. I never once thought he was in trouble coming down the stretch. He was hitting all the fairways and greens that he needed to and played his large lead on Sunday perfectly. I would have loved to have seen Tommy Fleetwood at least put a scare into Lowry, maybe making a few birdies early in the round. You cut the lead to two or three. You never know what happens. You're at least putting the thought into Lowry's head that someone was trying to chase him down. Now, that didn't end up happening, but it was still an excellent viewing experience. Kudos to all of those involved. Uh, Royal Portrush was not without some carnage, however. A lot of the big names and even betting favorites ended up missing the cut, including Rory McIlroy, who we will talk about much more in depth in a few minutes. Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and a handful of other names uh, who were popular across the industry all missed the cut as well. Betting-wise, Shane Lowry closed at 80-1 to odds, which, according to GolfOdds.com, that makes him the longest shot to win a major this season. With Gary Woodland winning the U.S. Open at 60-1, to Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship at 10-1, to and, of course, Tiger Woods winning the Masters, closing at 12-1. to He has the longest odds of any golfer to win a major since probably Danny Willett's Masters win or Jimmy Walker's win at the 2016 PGA Championship. While majors have been won uh, most often by some of the big dogs, Lowry does continue a recent trend of these mid to long shot winners, joining Dylan Fratelli at the John Deere Classic, Matt Wolf at the 3M Open, Nate Lashley at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and Chez Reavy at the Travelers championship in just the last four PGA Tour events. Now, I have to warn you, enjoy this feeling right now after a major because we are 262 days away from the 2020 Masters, so it will be quite a while before we get this feeling again. The great news is that the new PGA Tour schedule has me super stoked for the rest of the season, and it'll be a sprint through this week's WGC event then the Wyndham Championship, then the playoff events, then the President's Cup. So we've got a lot of great stuff going. Again, kudos to the PGA Tour for figuring out a schedule that keeps us as interested as possible for as long as possible. All right, now looking ahead to the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, 
And that will be tough to get used to saying. Uh, speaking of that schedule change, this tournament is brand new and replaces the WGC Bridgestone Invitational that was previously held in Akron. But this course, TPC Southwind, has been on the PGA Tour rotation for decades. TPC Southwind has hosted the FedEx St. Jude Classic, not the Invitational, for decades. So that means we have plenty of course history, even if it's not technically tournament history. Additionally, the field will be different than the standard FedEx St. Jude Classic, as it will include throngs of the best players of the, in the world leaving Northern Ireland and heading to Memphis. Now, technically speaking, Justin Thomas is the defending champion after winning at Firestone Country Club last year. Speaking of winners, the recent run of WGC winners has been nothing short of spectacular. Rarely do we see a middle-of-the-road player or someone from the deeper end of the field actually pull off a win. To illustrate this, I'm going to list off the WGC winners just from the last few years. Let's call it five years, including the match play. The match play is even more volatile, so this will even prove a, a bigger picture. Here are those winners from the last couple of years. They are Dustin Johnson, Kevin Kisner, that was a match play, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson again, Dustin Johnson again, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson one more time, and Hideki Matsuyama one more time. So what we've seen from these events is that we already have the top players in the world, and even in these fields, the cream absolutely rises to the top. More on that field that we're going to have this week. There are 64 players that will be entered this week thanks to Shane Lowry adding his name to the list just last week. A handful more were eligible to play but won't be won't be heading to Memphis this week. Those no-shows include Ricky Fowler, Francesco Molinari, Lee Westwood, Bern Wiesberger, and Tiger Woods himself. All right, we mentioned TPC Southwind a little bit earlier, and we have a lot of information on the course, so let's just get it out of the way now. It'll play a hair over 7,200 yards, and it is a par 70. Now, if you're doing the math, that's a fairly long course for only a par 70, so it means we'll be looking for some bombers off the tee who are able to reach those long par fours. Speaking of par fours, they tend to be a test of second shot golf. Running the numbers for the past decade to, to try and show how critically important the second shot is on TPC Southwind. Um, I run a regression model for this on every single course going back a decade, and strokes gained approach is more important at TPC Southwind than any other course on the PGA Tour. That's right. So you better believe we'll be firing up a bunch of really great ball strikers this week. Finally, this course is not going to roll over and die for the best players in the world. TPC Southwind it usually ranks as one of the top 10 most difficult courses on the tour. There are big numbers lurking everywhere, most commonly from hitting your ball into the drink. Normally, when we think of water balls, we think of TPC Sawgrass and that famous Island Green, but it's actually TPC Southwind that is uh, the course that garners the most water balls on tour. Quite frankly, it's not even close. Uh, TPC Sawgrass is second. So in conclusion, we're looking for long hitters and guys who are able to hit their irons at an elite level. Mixing in a little course history and we have the recipe to find a winner this week. All right. There's going to be plenty of talk this week about the players having to make the trek from Northern Ireland all the way to Memphis and try to turn this 
uh, around on fairly short rest and long travel. There's also some debate over whether a missed cut last week in Northern Ireland at the Open Championship could actually be a benefit for players trying to tee it up this week. Personally, I actually do see a little validity in that argument as long as the player who missed the cut did not necessarily play poorly or just, you know, punt his entire tournament away. So with that being said, I hate to do this to you, but we f- I, I'm really obligated to have to discuss Rory McIlroy again. Rory is the only golfer in the top nine of the betting favorites. Um, so that includes Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Cantlay, John Rahm, uh, Justin Thomas, Patrick, uh, sorry, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Xander Shoffley. Rory's the only one who did not make the cut last week. So if you look at Rory's open championship on paper, there isn't a whole lot to be optimistic about. I think you need to look a little bit deeper. He opened with a 79 on Thursday, which had him basically dead last, okay? Bottom of the barrel. Now, what I was impressed with is that he bounced back and followed that up with a 65 on Thursday to miss the cut by just one shot. Let's go deeper into these two rounds for Rory. That 79, of course, absolutely brutal, no arguments for me, but the majority of those strokes came on just two holes. He opened the day. He opened the championship with a quadruple bogey eight on his very first hole. Then he finished that round with a triple bogey seven on 18. He played two uh, holes two through 15 at one under par. And on 16, he actually missed a three footer, left himself with 15 inches and promptly proceeded to miss that putt as well. So when you look at his Thursday round, I see a guy that played 15 and a half of his 18 holes beautifully. The problem is, of course, the other two and a half holes were some of the worst golf that we saw all week at Royal Portrush. Got it. Then you look at his Friday round. Completely different story. A stellar 65 that was the best round of the day. So now you're almost able to chalk that round up. Uh, The first round up is a pretty big anomaly. Uh, I believe that I read he was the only player in major history to shoot a 65 in any of the first two rounds and still miss the cut. I look at it this way. It's probably unlikely that Rory ever starts with a quad bogey and ends with a triple bogey for the rest of his golfing career, giving away that many strokes. So he actually ended up playing about 33 and a half of his 36 holes like he was the best player in the world. If you buy into the rest, relaxation, travel narrative, this is a guy who makes complete sense here. There was a reason that we liked Rory last week, so two and a half holes shouldn't derail that thought process. Otherwise, the only knock for Rory is that he hasn't played TPC Southwind since 2012, but he did finish in seventh place. All right, enough about Rory. Let's continue with that rest, relaxation, and narrative, uh, excuse me, rest and relaxation narrative and apply it to Bryson DeChambeau. I've seen this number at 28 to 1, 32 to 1, even 33 to 1, depending on where you're able to access it. Bryson was another guy who slammed his trunk early in Northern Ireland and headed back to the States for this FedEx St. Jude. Outside of that miscut, Bryson is absolutely trending in the right direction. He had that close call at the 3M Open where he finished second, and the start before that, a T8 at the Travelers. So he's now made four out of his last five cuts, obviously the most recent being the mishap at the Open Championship. Bryson does have a solid game. He's top 10 off the tee on tour. He's top 25 in putting, and he's top 15 when it comes to strokes gain total. But what I really love about Bryson is that he makes a ton of birdies. 
He makes the fourth most birdies on tour, which comes in uh, especially handy during a no-cut event like this. Uh, we'll talk more about no-cut events in a second, but in general, we're we are really looking for guys who can go low and make a ton of birdies over the course of four days. Those are the types of golfers that are never out of it, even if they start slowly. All right, we'll talk more about uh, the no-cut strategy, some guys to stay away from, some guys that we are going to be uh, hammering with bets on the other side. FanDuel, hurry up. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain this! Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the, the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who, mm. who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three-down back? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The morning after. Uh, so, this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would pry open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Race into summer at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, located at One Racetrack Drive, East Rutherford, New Jersey. On Saturday, July 27th, come out to the track for our annual Seafood Food Truck Festival. Enjoy great lobster rolls, raw bar, tacos, crab cakes, and more. Admission and parking are always free. Event kicks off at 6 p.m. with live horse racing starting at 7.15 p.m. Featuring the eliminations for the $500,000 Hamiltonian Oaks. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for Seafood Food Truck Festival details. Must be 18 or older to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. FanDuel, hurry up. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain this! Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the, the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who, mm. who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three-down back? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The morning after. Uh, so, this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot 
that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would pry open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and it's time to get into the nitty-gritty for some of these golfers. So we spoke in the first segment about how critical a golfer's approach game is going to be this week, so let's look no further than Hideki Matsuyama. Now, I mentioned earlier that strokes gained approach was the absolute number one most important stat for this week. It's the stat that is more important at TPC Southwind than any other course on the PGA Tour schedule. There's only one guy in the field better than Hideki Matsuyama in approaches. That man is Henrik Stenson, but he has some other concerns that make me lean uh, towards opening my wallet towards Hideki Matsuyama in this situation. Stenson doesn't make nearly as many birdies, and he hasn't putted nearly well enough to get me as interested as I am in Matsuyama. There is a few things about Hideki that have me absolutely stoked. So let's start with the obvious ones. He is, has been, and might always will be an elite ball striker on the PGA Tour, and he's one of the biggest birdie makers in this field, making a birdie or better over 24% of the holes that he plays. While he is, of course, no no doubt about it, one of the uh, worst putters on tour. He's a terrible putter, ranking 118th on tour. He makes up for that by being basically elite in every single other facet of his game. Put it all together and you have the fifth best player on the planet when it comes to strokes gain total. For all the talk about his putter or his ball striking, I believe that his distance off the tee often gets overlooked. He ranks inside the top 25 when it comes to driving distance, making him the guy that checks off all the boxes for me this week. Of course, there is a little concern with Hideki, and it's that he's coming off that missed cut last week at the Open Championship in Northern Ireland at Poil, Royal Portrush. I keep wanting to say Poil Rortbrush. Uh, now, that, like, like we mentioned earlier, that missed cut might not be the worst thing in the world for any golfer, uh, in the field this week in Memphis. Leading up to the Open Championship, Hideki had the longest made cut streak on the PGA Tour. I believe it was 28 straight events. So we'll give him a break every once in a while. Every 28 events, we'll give him a break. Uh, he was continually knocking, knocking on the door with two top seven finishes in his last four starts before the Open Championship. So if you look, take a step back and look at this, if we thought he was a good play last week, then and of course he was, uh, we would have to think that he's going to be a good play again this week, sitting there at 33-1. to 1. Uh, Other good news about Hideki is we have actually seen him run away with World Golf Championship events in the past, and he tends to have a knack for these no-cut type tournaments where you're guaranteed four rounds, you can start a little bit slow, you can take your time, ease your way into it, and then Hideki gets it going. Um, while we're on this topic of no cut events, let's stick or uh, no cut events and guys that that burned everyone last week. Rafa Cabrera Bayo is he was one of the more popular bets last week in both gambling 
and fantasy communities. Uh, he rewarded our investment and our loyalty by shooting a 73, then a 75, and slamming the trunk and heading home with a missed cut at Royal Portrush. Got it right that time. Uh, however, seeing him at 60 to 1 with the likes of Shane Lowry, Billy Horschel, Andrew Putnam, Matt Fitzpatrick, to me, it's just a little bit jarring. This is a guy that has been dominating the European tour over the last month with a ninth place finish on uh, across the pond at the Scottish Open, a fourth place finish at the Irish Open, and then a third place finish at the prestigious on the European tour BMW Championship. This WGC event can play much closer to a Euro event that I would expect Cabrera Bayo to be comfortable in. Uh, feels like a bounce back opportunity, but of course there are concerns about this guy. And hey, he's 60 to one to win the golf tournament. There are going to be concerns about these types of players. The biggest one for me is that uh, his, his driver, he just doesn't hit the ball very long. Uh, he's not a long hitter really by any stretch of the imagination. He ranks 150th on the PGA Tour when it comes to driving distance. Now, on the flip side of that, he helps to, helps to ease my concerns a little bit because he does indeed have TPC Southwind experience. He's only played Fe the FedEx St. Jude Classic once, but it was in 2017, and he came in fourth place. Pretty good. So here we have a guy sitting at 60 to 1 who's been one of the better players in the world over the last month, and he has contended at this course in the past. I believe that he provides a lot of value at his uh, pricing range on the betting board. Speaking of that betting board, I do want to jump back up to the top really quick because I think outside of Rory at 10 to 1, we really didn't make any distinctions between some of the other guys. And if you're looking to bet that range, I want to make sure that we cover some of the information here. So I'm, you know, there is one guy, 10 to 1, where Rory for me, it might just be too short, but there's someone at double the odds that fits the mold of the exact type of player that we would want to roster this week. Drum roll, please. All right, I won't make you last, I won't make you hold out too much longer. Uh, that golfer is Patrick Cantlay. He's sitting at 20 to 1 at the book that I'm looking at. Remember the four main stats that we have decided through various statistical models through tournament history, through common sense, to be the most important, okay? So those stat categories are driving distance, strokes gained approach, birdie or better percentage, and par four scoring. The last one there is critical. When you have a par 70, that means there are 12 par fours on the course. So being able to handle and excel at those is going to be critical for your success. Of course, you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, what Cantlay offers is that he is one of the best players in the field at every single one of those stat categories. Let me run you through this really quickly. He's 10th in strokes gained approach. He is 7th in birdie or better percent. He's 9th in driving distance, which actually, that's the one that's a little bit crazy because you just kind of look at his stature. He doesn't appear to be that long of a hitter. When you watch him, he never gets... Uh, included as some of the bombers on the PGA Tour, and he is still one of the top 10 longest hitters on the tour. Anyway, a little sneaky long. Um, and then finally, he is the number one player in the field when it comes to par four scoring. So 
I listen, I know it's early in the week, but I've heard almost zero chatter about Patrick Cantlay to this point. Remember, he just won a golf tournament four starts ago. That win at the Memorial is, you know, one of the most difficult courses there are on it that, you know, that these guys see on a daily basis. It's one of the most difficult fields that these guys see on an annual basis. So it really is one of the most impressive wins that a golfer can have on his resume. You add that to his solid recent finishes of a 21st place finish at the U.S. Open, a 15th place finish at the Travelers, and he did make the cut last week, finishing 41st at the Open Championship. And you have an all-around solid golfer that can compete on all types of courses and in all types of conditions heading to Memphis to play at a course that, quite frankly, should be perfectly fit to his skill set. Uh, or at least for his skill set, way better than most other courses that he is going to see over the course of the year. So to me, um, betting can't lay. It really depends on where you want to start your betting slip. If you want one of the big dogs like Rory, Brooks, or DJ, you're pr- you probably won't add someone in that 20 to 1 range, uh, depending on your strategy. However, if you're looking to start lower, Patrick Cantlay might be the perfect starting place for your betting slip and allow you a a little more wiggle room in that next range that we're going to kind of discuss, which is that 30 to 50 range. And, you know, we already have a few guys in there, whether it's Hideki, Bryson's kind of uh, teetering in that range a little bit. So um, Cantlay not only gives you a great shot to win, but I also think that he gives you a, a, a bit of flexibility when it comes to your betting slip. All right. While we're talking about statistical specialists, probably need to throw an honorable mention to Chess Reavy. Honestly, I, I wish he was able to hit his driver further, which might be an issue on this course. However, the rest of his game is fairly well suited to TPC Southwind. In regards to par four scoring, he's eighth in the field. He's middle of the road in birdie or better percentage, but he's definitely top 20, excuse me, top 20 when it comes to approaches. Now, to me, Chez is a giant question mark in this field. Um, A lot of variables that we need to consider. Remember that he just won the Travelers Championship, what, a few weeks ago? But now, since then, he's missed two straight cuts at the Rocket Mortgage Classic and then last week at the Open Championship. Prior to that, he was playing some excellent golf coming in. He was trending in the right direction. And now he returns to TPC Southwind that I don't I don't have another way to describe this other than he has completely dominated over the last few years. Few players in this field can boast the course history record that Ches Reavy has. So he's racked up a sixth place, a sixth place, wow, sixth place finish. Last year, a fourth place finish the year before and a 12th place finish in 2015. He's four for four in cuts made since 2013. So our dilemma is fairly obvious. You've got a guy who's not playing particularly well in the short term, but he has in the longer term, and he's been awesome at TPC Southwind sitting there at 55 to one. So I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do myself personally with Chez, but I'd be remiss if we didn't spend a few minutes talking about him here. So that's the chat. Um, When we get back, it'll be a discussion of more players, maybe some guys to fade, and then we'll get a little bit freaky towards the end of the show. I'll catch you on the other side.
Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain this! Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the, the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who, mm. who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three down back? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The morning after. Uh, so this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would pry open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Race into summer at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, located at One Racetrack Drive, East Rutherford, New Jersey. On Saturday, July 27th, come out to the track for our annual Seafood Food Truck Festival. Enjoy great lobster rolls, raw bar, tacos, crab cakes, and more. Admission and parking are always free. Event kicks off at 6 p.m. with live horse racing starting at 7.15 p.m. Featuring the eliminations for the $500,000 Hamiltonian Oaks. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for Seafood Food Truck Festival details. Must be 18 or older to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. FanDuel, hurry up. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain this! Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the, the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who, mm. who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three down back? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The morning after. Uh, so this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would pry open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. FanDuel, hurry up. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. 
Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And this is my favorite segment. This is a fun segment. This is the one where I get to tell you all of the golfers that I hate this week, and then they get to go out and win a PGA golf tournament. That's right. I basically lay the reverse jinx on them, and they come back to bite me Sunday evening. Then you tweet me or leave comments, and we get to all have a big uh, big fun time about it. No, all joking aside, there's always a handful of guys where the story doesn't add up to the price that the books are asking us to pay for them. Uh, this could be public sentiment, it could be narratives, or it could be a variety of other reasons that we have gotten ourselves into the situation that we are in. But hey, here we are. So the first guy uh, that doesn't make any sense to me uh, at, at this price is, is Phil Mickelson. So I see him at 66 to one and, and don't get me wrong. I don't think 66 to one is like some great number, but if you removed his name or, you know, his stats from the betting board, he would be like 150 to one to win this event. Um, I, I mentioned his name because that is something that similar to Tiger Woods or Ricky Fowler or just other popular players, they're always going to be shorter than they should be. Uh, the other factor with with Phil's price is that, you know, e even him being as low as sixty six to one is probably because of his TPC Southwind history. To Phil's credit, he's been absolutely awesome here. He has finished no worse than twelfth in any of his last six years. Yeah, let let that sink in for a second. He has two second place finishes, a third place finish, a ninth place finish, an eleventh, and a twelfth place finish. Um, it really is absolutely stellar, which is, I think, kind of like the last hope that some Phil backers are rooting for here. Um, unfortunately for, for Phil, he, he hasn't finished, so taking that 12th number, he hasn't finished 12th or better at any event since his win at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am back in February. In fact, he's missed four of his last five cuts coming into this week. He's missed five of his last seven. And then the two cuts that he did make in that time frame were a 71st place finish and a 52nd place finish. It, it's just been, quite honestly, a lot of really uninspiring golf from Phil Mickelson over the course of the last five months or so. Now, even deeper than this week, I actually think this is going to be a long-term big problem for Phil. Because if you look at his stats, um, you know, there's some things we can expect. Like we always kind of expect him to be bad off the tee, right? That That's kind of Phil's MO. That's fine. And as expected, he is. He's bad. 138th off the tee on tour. Um, and what usually that means is the rest of his game has to make up for it. But unfortunately, that's just not happening in 2019. This is kind of crazy. He's 117th in approaches. He's 66th around the green, which for Phil is absurd to think. And he's 146th in putting. This is the man that we have known as basically just a short game wizard for probably two decades and he has been one of the worst players on and around the greens this season. Yeah, let that sink in. Combine that with his already volatile driving game. Uh, it's an absolute recipe for disaster. Uh, Phil, Phil just can't get, get out of his own way on the golf course right now. And that price, 66 to 1, like I said, it's, it's not like it's a super short price. But I would rather bet his peers around him like 
Mark Leishman, Danny Willett, even Kevin Kisner, who has won a WGC event in the past, the match play. Um, I don't know. It, it's just a little bit confusing, and it leads me to another confusing player on this board that I've also decided to fade, and that's Jason Day at 33-1. to uh, We've already talked about Hideki, who is the same price as Day, who I'd much rather back, and to me, Day benefits from bad memory. I think if you ask casual golf fans or just golf fans in general, who are some of the best ball strikers on tour, Jason Day's name would probably come up quite a bit, and that wouldn't be wrong if this was a few years ago. Unfortunately, again, for Jason Day, it's not a few years ago. It's 2019, and he has been basically an average ball striker on tour this season. He's gaining a you know, tiny 0.17 strokes per round. It is 79th on tour this year. Additionally for, uh, for Jason Day and similar to Phil Mickelson, this is bit, I actually think this is a bit more concerning long-term. Jason Day now ranks 39th on tour in driving distance, which he has not been outside the top 20 in basically any season in recent memory. Uh, while I still think he's he's a great player, he is certainly a shell of his former self. And if he can't strike the ball as well as he used to or hit it as far, it's going to be a tough a tough pill to swallow. So unfortunately for this week specifically, both of those skill sets are going to be critically important. And Day just doesn't cut cut the mustard for me. Um, the, there is a few good things about Jason Day, of course. It, it, the biggest one, I think, is that his range of outcomes is fairly large, um, which is something that we like to try for, for for betting outright winners. His last five starts alone have, fielded, uh, have yielded an eighth-place finish, a 21st, a 66th, and two missed cuts. That range is all over the place. So he's certainly not the type of golfer that we would want to bet in anything that is asking for consistency, like maybe a top 20 bet. Um, but those huge swings, if you catch the right side of the swing, can get you up to the you know the winner. He has the upside to actually win a golf tournament. So that is something that he does have going for him. Um, he just hasn't put it together enough over the course of this 2019 season for me to have much confidence in backing him this week in this field at this course. The math just does not add up for me. All right. There is another name that I have seen thrown around again early in the week, but another name that's being thrown around that I will uh, not be investing in, and that's Andrew Putnam. So Andrew Putnam is 60 to 1 to win the FedEx St. Jude. Uh, For the record, I'm actually a big fan of Andrew Putnam. I think he offers something that a lot of other guys don't have, and I like to bet him in situations where I think that he can find success, obviously. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, this week's situation is one that he will find much success in. Um, nothing against him. Again, I just, he's not for me. Um, this, this, you know, the recent chatter that we're hearing, it probably stems from the great success that Putnam had while he was overseas in the last two weeks. So he cashed in a fourth place finish at the Scottish Open and then parlayed that into making the cut and finishing 32nd at the Open Championship. Additionally, uh, the chatter I think exists because he had a second place finish at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. So the vibes at TPC Southwind might be good vibes for Putnam. So while I certainly understand the praise for Andrew uh, Andrew Putnam, I just can't get there. Again, the math just really isn't adding up for me. 
Um, for, for a lack of a better way to describe it, Putnam is basically just a putting specialist. He ranks fourth, that's four, three guys better than him, on tour in strokes gained putting. And as we know, that is already one of the most volatile stats on the PGA Tour week in, week out, round by round, whatever it is. Um, you know, of course, the best putters are going to continue to putt well over time. But again, it's just, it's too hard to predict over the course of two or four rounds or one round, whatever it is, um, the short term that a, that a great golfer will be great every single t- or a great putter will be great every single round. So it's a difficult stat for me to bank on. Um, the other stats for Putnam, like off the tee, he ranks 194th. He's 186th in driving distance. So both of those could hamper him quite a bit this week in Memphis. Uh, To wrap up the conversation on Putnam, according to Odds Checker, Putnam was the second most popular bet at the FedEx St. Jude outright winner uh, at the time of recording this. So while I'm excited to get more exposure to Putnam over the course of the next few weeks and even next few years, he's not going to be getting my investment over the course of the next few days. Now, this last one here, uh, kind of, uh, it's kind of a hybrid fade and a hybrid play. So let's talk this through. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Matt Kuchar, who is 33 to one to win the golf tournament. And that is not something that I'm going to be partaking in, um, to cover why it's probably just that he won't fit onto my betting slip because of the other names around him. We've already talked about Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, there's Tony Finau all sitting there at the same odds as Matt Kuchar. And I'd much prefer to bet either one of those guys or even both of those guys over Kuchar. So he just won't make it for me. Um, To kind of go into that, my general betting strategy usually doesn't allow me to bet three guys in the same tier of pricing. So that that's the concern that I have with Kuchar. It's mostly in regards uh, to where he fits on my slip, that he loses out to those other two guys, and he doesn't drive the ball as far as I would particularly like him to for this event. Um, now, however, there, there is a situation that's arising where I will be able to invest in Kucher and it comes through the first round leader bets. So if you're very new to this, if you're very new to golf betting, you can literally bet on which golfer will end up in first place at the end of the first round. Uh, I would describe it as one of the most fun, exciting, devastating, terrible ways to bet golf, uh, but it always has my attention and the odds are almost always more favorable. So let's talk about this. Kuchar is 33 to one to win the golf tournament, but he's actually 40 to one to be the first round leader. Obviously the odds are going to be longer because anything can happen in one round of golf, uh, but Kuchar's first round uh, first round record is fairly pristine. In fact, this season, no golfer has a better first round scoring average than, you guessed it, Matt Kuchar. I don't know if it's something mental for Kuchar, but he always seems to start fast. Um, so like I mentioned, he is for, for the first round, he is first in scoring average. 
For the second round, he is sixth in scoring average. Now, the problem for Kuchar and the reason that he has not won more golf tournaments this year is that he falls to 30th in scoring average in the third round, and then this is the bad one. He falls all the way down to 135th in the final round of golf tournaments. Yeah, not... Not necessarily the trend or the direction that I like to see for the guys that I'm going to be betting to win the golf tournament, but I'm more than happy to bet him and have trends like this for the first round leader. All right. When we get back, we're going to get a little bit freaky. Uh, We'll talk a little bit exotic bets and uh, see what else we can conjure up on the other side. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three-down back? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The morning after. Uh, so this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would pry open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Race into summer at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, located at One Racetrack Drive, East Rutherford, New Jersey. On Saturday, July 27th, come out to the track for our annual Seafood Food Truck Festival. Enjoy great lobster rolls, raw bar, tacos, crab cakes, and more. Admission and parking are always free. Event kicks off at 6 p.m. with live horse racing starting at 7.15 p.m. Featuring the eliminations for the $500,000 Hamiltonian Oaks. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for Seafood Food Truck Festival detail. Must be 18 or older to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. FanDuel, hurry up. Altuve hasn't been as good since coming back from his injury, but there are have been some good signs. Despite that, he did steal a base back on July 2nd before that All-Star break, which means maybe he's getting healthier now. He's had a couple of days to rest up, get his lower body back in the shape that it was at the beginning of the season, and he hasn't been striking out that much since coming back. Those are three things that I do like for Altuve. Watch On Demand on the FNTSY YouTube stream. Rain dance! Make it rain. Yes, there is a universe where Damian Williams becomes, you know, uh, very productive because he's the, you know, the the bell cow for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams. Joe, you've seen it before. Damian Williams was on the Dolphins before as a backup. Who who now believes that all of a sudden this guy is going to be a three-down back? 
Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The Morning After. Uh, so, this little douchebag walks around complaining that women hate him uh, because of his height. No, women probably hate you because you're a miserable little racist snot that actually deserves to be slapped around and dunked face first into a toilet. Um, if it was me, I would probably open a sewer and drop your ass in a sewer with the rats. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand as we head to the finish line. Uh, We've talked about the course, we've talked about the field, we have covered some of the better bets on the board, and we even discussed the guys that we're going to be avoiding for the week. So if you're anything like me, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to get a little bit freaky. So depending on your book of choice or the options that are available to you, there are some interesting bets ranging from fairly normal to pretty exotic for the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. So let's start with some of the more straightforward ones. And and this one is really uh, just pure pure value. Um, I'm seeing a handful of books that are offering as they normally do, the top 10 or the top 20 bets that seem fairly inefficiently priced. So I'm seeing golfers in, for example, I'm seeing golfers in the middle range of this betting board or like the middle to the second half, like Alex Noren, like Keegan Bradley at four to one to top 20 this event. So we have to think about this. And to be clear, this is not really a stand on these golfers as viable plays, but literally just in terms of odds, like are they, are they viable bets? Um, remember there's only 64 golfers in the field this week. So pretty much like at random, 31% of the field is going to finish in the top 20 this week, just by nature. Right. Um, but potentially more with ties, you know, if you get 25 guys through, or, you know, uh, there's a tie for 20th, right. Um, there's, there's a real chance that like 40% of the field could be inside the top 20 this week. So paying four to one on something that is probably going to happen a third of the time, and that assumes, you know, same skill level, right? Like there's just not a lot of these bets I wouldn't take. Now I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen this maybe one or two places where the numbers don't really add up. So I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't know if you have access to these bets or what the numbers are that you have access to. But um, I just wanna alert you that if you're able to get something like this, your book might be offering an inefficiency on a small field here. So please at least check and see what you can get on the 10s and the 20s. All right. I always love these. Um, I love the, the the nationality bets, right? Top American, top Euro, top Asian, top Scandinavian, sometimes whatever, they're really fun. Um, so I like to see what we can get on a weekly basis, especially in a small field like we have this week. So I'm focusing my attention on the top Asian bet, which at the book that I'm looking at is offering eight different golfers in this wager. However, with it being, um, you know, you have a Euro Tour winner, or I'm sorry, an Asian Tour winner at the uh, the WGC, it's 
there's just a lot of guys that don't have a chance to win this. So it's it's pretty unlikely that any of the bottom six or so of these guys compete for the honor of top Asian. So I'm basically rolling, you know, ruling those guys out and turning this into a three ball between Hideki Matsuyama, Hao Tong Lee, and CT Pan. Now, I've spent enough of the show telling you how much I love Hideki Matsuyama, but obviously not in every situation, and this is one of those situations. Hideki is basically, I mean, he's 1.1 to 1. He's almost even money to win this, you know, quote, three ball is what I would call it. Um, so that leaves us with Hao Tong Lee at, at three and a half to 1 and CT Pan at 6 to 1. Both of those numbers would be great for any three ball, but I really like how Tong Lee here. Um, Lee is certainly no scrub, okay? Not like some of these other guys in this in this pool for top Asian. He's currently ranked inside the top 50 in the official world golf rankings, and he's been stellar on the European tour over the course of the last 18 months or so. However, what I really like about Hao Tong is he can absolutely hold his own over here in the States. Uh, he usually only plays the biggest events, uh, but usually they're, they're the ones with the toughest fields or the majors or the big ones. Uh, but he's made the cut in five of his last six starts in either majors or PGA tour events. Nice. In his last WGC event back in February, he finished 19th at the WGC Mexico. He's actually sneaky long. He ranks 25th on tour in driving distance, and we've seen him get scorching hot at times. So this is a situation where, you know, he really only needs to beat maybe one or two other golfers. I like the three to one odds and I'm willing to weigh a lay, a lay a wager. Excuse me. All right. I do want to jump back quickly to first round leaders for just one second. They're, they're too much fun. I cannot resist myself. Um, and there's a guy sitting there at a hundred to one that fits the mold of the exact type of player that we would want to bet in this type of situation. And that guy is Nate Lashley. So he is third in the field in par four scoring behind only Patrick Cantlay and Brooks Kepka. First things first, that's great company to hold at the top. He's one of the better ball strikers in this field. And of course, we have seen him get absolutely scorching hot at times. I know I said that about Hao Tong, but it's true about him and it's also true about Nate Lashley. Remember, it was only a few weeks ago when he won the Rocket Mortgage Classic absolutely lapping the field. He made a ton of birdies in the process and he never took his foot off the gas, which is the type of player and the type of outcome that we would need for him to go out and be the first round leader. There's only a handful of guys in every field that have the ability to shoot the lowest round of the day and you know the lowest round of any single day. And outside of the guys who are logical answers to that question, right? Brooks, DJ, Rory, like the guys at the top, the studs. Lashley is one of the answers to that question, right? He he offers a value option for the types of players that can viably achieve that honor of being the low round of the day. We've seen it. I think he did it multiple times at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Like we've seen this kind of upside from Lashley. So I'm happy to invest at 100 to 1. All right. Before we wrap this up, Let's actually recap the bets that I'm going to be making this week at 
the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. This is my actual betting slip at the moment of recording. As much as I love Rory McIlroy, and if I was only betting one person, if I only made one bet to win this event, it would be Rory. However, he did not end up making my betting slip because I opted to start further down the board and get a few extra bets in there. With Rory's odds, I thought I was going to have a a difficult time. I, I, I thought I was going to have to lay too much to make it worth it, and I opted to go in a different direction. So with that being said, you might know where I'm going here. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I'm starting my betting slip at Patrick Cantlay at 20 to 1. With without rehashing everything that we've already discussed, I'll make this quick. He's elite in the four categories that we discussed for the last hour as the most critical categories for TPC Southwind. Uh, his recent win at the Memorial proves to me that he can play and not only play, he can compete and not only compete, he can win in the toughest fields on tour. So that is where I start my card. Now, with that, I got a little bit of flexibility. So I jumped down. Um, you know, there's these guys that I have, they have very, you know, similar skill sets and they're different. Um, but I went with uh, my first round leader bets, right? So Kucher, for whatever reason, just plays well in the first two rounds of the golf tournament and he's got the best first round scoring average on tour. Um, he shares that skill set. That's what I was trying to get at. He shares a different but similar skill set to Nate Lashley, who much deeper, 100 to 1, is the type of player that has shown the ability to get scorching hot. We talked about it. And if he does that for a single round, if he does it on the first round on Thursday, we're in absolute business. So Kucher and Lashley, as of right now, the only two first round bets that I have made. Um, I might add a few more. If I do, they will be long shots as well. They'll be like in the 100 to 1 range. Uh, obviously, I'll be getting my fair share of head-to-head -head or matchup action on the players that we have discussed above. And on the flip side of that, against the players that we have discussed as fades for this week. So I will get reasonable action on the guys that we like and reasonable action against the guys that we dislike. That's simple. While this is a small field, it will not be small on action and entertainment. We've got 64 of the best players on the planet heading to an iconic course on the PGA Tour Rota, which has got my juices flowing. Quite honestly, I, I can't remember being this excited for any other post-major event this season, um, and quite honestly, any other post-major event for the last couple of years. The new PGA Tour schedule has really done wonders to the excitement around the game because they're just keeping us at like, you know, a nine or 10 at all times. Um, it's, 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 it's something that I'm glad they tried out and I think it's, it's been very valuable for, for everyone. Obviously, this venture of golf betting on demand is new and one that I'm very excited about. So what I'd love to hear is your feedback. If you're watching this live, thank you so much. Uh, feel free to tweet at me. It is at DFS on demand on Twitter. And if you're watching this on YouTube, for example, you know, obviously feel free to tweet me as well or leave a comment below and I'll do my best to respond to every single message or comment that we get. All right, I'm Rick Gaiman. This is Golf Betting On Demand, and I am signing off until next week. Good luck.